This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hello, I'm Paul. Hello, I'm Marissa. <laughs> Hi, I'm Evan. We're going to talk about The Shining, a 1977 horror novel by Stephen King. Um, it uh, was voted... Uh, fourth most popular fantasy novel some year for some award. Um, but it was, uh, I heard that it was his third novel and it was, I think in my mind, it was his, his novel that made him a household name. Does that line up with your guys' vague memories? Oh, I believe the it. Salem's Lot TV series and Carrie was made into a movie. So his stuff was being put out to the broader audience what was right what away. was his first name a uh, named novel under his own name do you know well carrie's his first uh, okay. this first novel altogether i mean i think the bachman books were later oh were really after this I, fame, early fame weren't they written he wrote first? some of them earlier yeah he wrote some of them earlier, but they weren't published that's what i meant so like, uh, it's like um so carrie was made into a film before this novel was written i think so wow i think it was the same year oh, 1980 okay. is the movie this came out seventy seven, oh. right? The film Carrie was nineteen seventy six. Wow, I, I I thought it was like late nineteen seventies, huh? That's a, that's really interesting. It is interesting. Um, that was I think the book was seventy five. I always had the idea that The Shining was like his breakout one as well, but yeah. I I mean, getting Kubrick to do an adaptation of your novel with Jack Nicholson kind of puts you on the map. Even even if we're not really going to talk about the movie and the movie versus the book, I mean, yeah. the move the the movie helped propel Stephen King's presence as oh, a writer. Oh, sure, hundred percent. Okay, let me see when that Salem's Lot series was. That's funny because that um, was pretty popular. Um, Evan sent me a direct message of somebody responding to Stephen King when he was talking politics as usual, <laughs> and the 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 comment was, um, "Shut up, you shit lib." Uh, stick to stick to producing movies. <laughs> not, he's not known as like a guy who but writes the, books. I think he's this, known as a guy. This, this tweet writer was earnestly believing that that his primary job was <laughs> film producer. But it's kind of funny because it's kind of true. Like if you compared Stephen King, film producer. To uh, just some random Hollywood film producer. I mean, which one has more writing credits? Which one has more production credits? Which one is more responsible for putting out film? It's like it's pretty hard to argue that there's anybody more of a film producer than Stephen King, even though he really has nothing to do with it generally. Right. Yeah. It's I, I, hilarious, I mean, though. It's, it's, it's like the Michael Crichton effect. Uh, what? How so, Paul? I mean, that uh, Michael Crichton. I mean, also director and producer of science fiction movies, in addition to being yeah. a writer and, and being... He was a real Hollywood spec- guy, though, as opposed to... I, I, I don't think Stephen King, like, goes no, to Los Angeles on the regular, you know? No, that's true. But uh, it, it is hilarious, because he, even though Michael Crichton is, you know, still looming large from far beyond the grave... Uh, Stephen I mean, King. I mean, we just we just fucking taking over television. Park movie, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a quadrilogy of quintology and, of septology. And the new season West and the new West uh, new uh, season Westworld drops tonight. Yeah. There, and there's so, cartoons yeah. and there's 
astounding yeah. numbers of things. But the thing is, is you know, how many Stephen King television shows have came out come out in the last two years? It's like, uh, uh, it's not uh, you can't count them on one hand. You might be able to count them on two hands, but it might be more than that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Evan's always telling me about uh, the you know new Stephen King shows that are streaming somewhere, and I'm like, oh. but I never watched. I yeah. Just, but, I, but, I tried but, watching The Stand, uh, Lisey's stories. That was good. I just couldn't get into it. It's it's, it's a good book. I uh, mean, did, dare I bring up George R. R. Martin at this juncture? Uh, oh, he's well, going on. TV guy got turned a lot of novelist stuff turned TV mogul again, and but yeah. turned video game writer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like, yeah, it's like he's he's everything but. Oh my God, Paul's. Paul, Paul Vizcus, everything but actually finishing uh, the Game of Thrones novel. Which is very... Which is his he was like a legit TV writer for a long oh, time. Oh, yeah, Beauty and the yeah. Beast and lots of other yeah. stuff. Oh, I don't, I don't doubt it, but it, I mean, the, then he turned novelist and then he went back to his... I, I yeah. mean, it's my, it's my theory that he really is much more comfortable with television than with novels, even if he's got a big novel series to his name, incomplete as it is. And so, does he want to finish the novels? I don't think so. I well, honestly clearly think he doesn't. Happy. He doesn't no, want. No, to. I think he. I think he wants to. He just. He wants know. to have it done. I don't think he. Like, just think of how easy it is to produce television shows as opposed to money-wise. Like, you have to sit down in front, like. Whatever we have bad to say about Stephen King, and there's lots bad to say, he actually likes writing a lot. <laughs> he does. I mean, he's, written, he's, he's written one of the classic books on writing. So, yeah, it's oh, yeah. clearly in his blood in a way that I don't think novel writing is in Martin. He, and he, so he, he's good it, at it, too. It's just it's not, not his priority. It. It's not his priority. Right. He's good at world building and he can world build on doing TV. That's right. Right. So yeah. without burden of putting out 500 words a day. What, what do you guys think of The Shining? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is yeah, The Shining's like, great. The Shining's a beautiful book. Well, I, I, I think we need to talk about the the many things that will get them canceled that are in here. And I think the ones you guys are probably not thinking of that I'm thinking of is uh, The Magical Negro. So this is something oh, yeah. that, that, is, that shows that up in films. Trendy. Uh, a very, lot. Very Legend of Bagger Vance is probably the best example of of it. I don't know, maybe not the best, but it's one that comes to mind. Um, where you've got, uh, and this is not a new trope, right? This is actually going back to Aunt Jemima and uh, all sorts of, you know, uncles and Uncle Ben, Uncle yep. Ben, yeah. yeah. And it it it's a American cultural phenomenon, right? He does it here unironically, um, which I'm fine with. Um, but what I'm not fine with is um, <laughs> the fact that it, it it feels like if he wrote this today, it wouldn't be allowed. Um, we wouldn't have that 70s jive talk kind of nah. stuff going on. Uh, well, so. you know, he, he, he he's not licensed to say things that he does say in this. But I love at the end, and I, I love thinking about this, at the end... Um, uh doc is um on the dock with his his fishing line right the magical negro comes and uh pats him on the shoulder the mom says you know yeah we'll we'll come back next summer or whatever it is and uh she says uh 
he's getting brown <laughs> about Doc. <laughs> and, then, and then I think um, uh, the magical Negro says, very brown. And like, this is uh, the surrogate parent, right? The replacement parent. The surrogate father figure, yes. And uh, <laughs> both of them kiss him, right? The boy kisses him on the, on the cheek when he's in the car, uh, when they talk, have the big shining talk. And the wife uh, kisses him on the hand. Um, and who is Stephen King in this book? <laughs> Jack. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Clearly Jack. Jack yeah. Right? So he's like, he's, he's killed himself off um, <laughs> because he drinks too much. And, A little know. heroically at the end. He's, he, he salvages himself. Uh, yeah. The hero um, at the end of the day. And what's really funny, too, is I'd, I've never read this book before. But I, I can see like why this book is super popular, but I can, I can also see where, how, like how he put it all together. And it's like, yeah, there's a real place involved. And then he starts lifting ideas. And I'm not saying this in a bad way. I think this is a good thing to do. Uh, but I can kind of think like he's lifting ideas from all sorts of literary sources. Um, and then he makes a big, long, very readable book. And, uh, and I can see actually it is kind of early, but, uh, I, I was thinking a lot about how, um, how this book compares to what was the one we did very recently, Evan, that was, uh, a 2014 novel, uh, with ants. Revival. Revival. So the yep. same relationship, uh, the main character there has with ants. Uh, there's a, that similar relationship here with the wasps. Mm hmm. And so that's him drawing from his own, you know, childhood experience. Uh, uh, this is a really funny idea, right? But it's true. Kids are literally closer to the ground than adults. So they think about insects a lot more <laughs> than right. crawling insects than do adults. Um, they're down in the, you know, dirt playing with their trucks <laughs> like Stephen King does later with this is why i love hiking by myself because i will always i will sit down on all these spots and just look at the bugs and the moss and stuff but no one else wants to do that no of course keep walking no no (laughs) we we are once we once we get past major toddlerhood right we we're we're so we're so proud of ourselves <laughs> that we're erect, that we never squat down and just lay around right. on the ground. And uh, so Stephen King can tap into that. Um, and he does, he does so in here. And that's why, you know, his kids are always really terrific. But- I love his child characters. I feel like that's why. I feel like that's why Stephen King is what got me into horror because it was so easy to read his books when I was young because really I identified with the kids. Mm hmm. Yeah, and, and, and your question is like, who's Stephen King in this book? Like, who are we supposed to identify with in this book? And I think that even at no matter what age, we're we're meant to identify with Doc. I mean, he's he's the character we're supposed to really. Po- I mean, for even even when we even as we break out his point of view, he's the character that he's our surrogate. He's the, he's got this power. He doesn't know what to do with it. It's affecting the world around him, and it's going to just. Dis- be the ultimate destroyer of his father and the Overlook Hotel, but he's the character we're locked in on and meant to focus on and focus with. And him writing his characters in this way, his child well, characters in this way makes it uh, 
makes it easier to do so. I, I find Jack still a more interesting character, and I don't know if I say I relate to him more, because, but I find him more interesting to follow in the story. He, Same. He has so much. Uh, he's got such a better adventure. Like he's failing as a teacher. He's failing as a writer. He's he, failing as a father. Failing as a father. As a husband. Failing as a husband. As a husband. Failing at everything. And he gets to this overlook and and they seduce him with that. I mean, that's the, the, the what's so awesome about this story, I think, is how they the ghost of the, the building, the overlook knows exactly what he wants, which is to be a good writer. And they're like, We have a story to tell you. And it we have a story of money laundering and and the mafia and we here's the documents you need. And he like has this burst of creativity. Uh, because of this, mm-hmm. yeah, I, don't, I agree. That's how they get him. It's and then, and he thinks he's going to be a better father. He could actually convince him he can repair his family this way too. And of course, in the end, he's redeemed, which is, I think, very important. Yeah, I don't think we're spare. supposed to identify just with um, Danny because I think he's like the positive identification, and then Jack is like all the negative things in ourselves. Like it's. I think that's why Stephen King's such a cool writer because he writes this almost sympathetic, super flawed, fucked up dude that mm. is just like trapped in his mental illness and is trying but failing at everything. And we can relate to that as well, even if we're not. Hopefully, none of us is as bad as Jack. But. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe because maybe because I'm taking my own life and my own upbringing a little too heart in this book. But the scenes of domestic abuse and the the um the not so happy marriage a lot of the time um unfortunately resonated with my own life and so maybe that's why I identified more with Danny because- well Jack Torrance has that too though we just don't see it mm-hmm. as much it's it, no it, one but, of the- but 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 it's, it's like the whole it's like the sin of the father mm-hmm. revisited on him it's like it was the way his father treated him and so Jack treats his wife and child in that turn. And it felt really uncomfortable for me. It's like, I need to get through this book and pass these parts into the more interesting parts. Cause I don't like any of this wow. because I had it. I mean, I shouldn't say unhappy child is not the right word, but I had a not perfect family in childhood. And so some of that was like, felt really close to home. So maybe yeah. that's why I did fight with, with the other with, thing with you Danny said that, and with the, and with the world building and stuff. The other instead. thing you said that I think is a little off is, it, it, it makes me think a lot about why this book is and how it works. Um, is that you, you were saying that, uh, Danny's power was kind of the problem. I don't think I, that that's true. The, 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 the way I, okay, I might be wrong and you go all through, you can say I'm wrong, but the way I interpreted the events here in the book is that Danny's, that the, that the Overlook Hotel, is clearly a nexus of things and Danny's presence there helped bring them more to life and power. And that's why the hotel wants him because Danny is basically yeah. a big battery. And so, I mean, mm-hmm. if, if Jack yeah. went to the hotel by himself without his family, none of this would have happened. Except we know that it already did happen this year before. Right. But, but, I, th- but I think it's people with, with the shining that, and since Danny is so powerful, that's why it was so 
such a large reaction this time. I don't. I, was there any evidence that the previous caretaker who killed himself and his family, frozen to death or whatever? Um, I, I, I thought was, a little was bit a about Shiner? this. I I think there there are unnamed shining characters throughout <laughs> Stephen King's work. Yes, um, every character my, shines. My favorite right? on this, is, I actually I'm, did a whole video on this, and no one's ever like I saw it. engage me with it. I saw. It, I Evan. think I think the Dead Zone has like an unacknowledged shining character, shining or whatever, some kind of psychic. Yeah, they're all over, and it could be um, that guy seemed even more flawed than Jack, though. He was more at risk. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah. Remember what uh, our magical Negro says. He says, "He says uh, uh, you shine," and he tells him, "Right, and and your mom shines too, because all mothers do <laughs> right. a little." Um, and then and then he doesn't say your dad doesn't. He says, "I don't know about your dad," right? And so yeah. uh, obviously, what's going on within this book and within Stephen King's mind throughout his writing, it seems is at least, at least a lot of his non Bachman stuff that I've read, which isn't that much, um, is that he has some sort of psychic spectrum. So if you were going to make a, like a Stephen King, uh, superpower role-playing game, um, <laughs> a Carrie, uh, and, uh, this book and what was the one we did? Everything's eventual, right? Like you yeah. could totally well, they're all over do the it. Dark Tower too. They're they're the breakers. Yeah, they're the ones destroying their Dark Tower. Right. So, so right. they're they're brought from all over the multiverse to destroy the tower. Exactly. So th- this is like a thing that's going on in his mind as to, and a lot of it I think has to do with telepathy. So this is mm-hmm. actually how I way before I thought of reading Stephen King, um, I always think about what. Right, good writing is. Good writing is telepathy. You are a person far away in time and space, and you want to communicate your brain thoughts to somebody far away in time and space. The way you do that is write really good. Make it telepathic so that uh, I don't have any stumbling around, not understanding vocab words, right? Um, and when you're reading Stephen King, you never like go, wait, 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 what just happened? You always right. understand what happened, right? The only question is, is how is this happening? What is happening? But you don't ever not understand what is happening. And that is a kind of a superpower that Stephen King literally has. That's why he can it write is. the way he does. That's mm-hmm. why I, I got really excited when I started reading this and suggested that we read it. Because I started it again and I was like, holy shit. Like the, the way he does this, like the way you just flow into his stories without a single bump. It's, mm-hmm. It is magic. It, 100%. He knows what he's doing. And what's funny is, I, I, I don't know the guy, right? I, I just know him from the occasional tweet Evan sends me <laughs> and having read his books. But, um, I can, I've, you know, read a lot of other people and I know, um, how my brain works and I think he's a human being like me. Um, and sometimes we think we can understand other people. Um, but he is really good at doing it in fiction. So when when we say who is who is Stephen King in this book, he's all of them, of course, right? Uh, he is both. But if if you had to pick one who he's most, it's obviously Jack Torrance. The second most would be Danny, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, the magical Negro character is kind of like his his meta for this book. And 
if know, we can we can call him Halloran. Like Halloran. Even though, Dick. Yeah, even I'm gonna call him Dick. Use a shitty trope. We don't have to keep calling him by the trope. I'm gonna call him. I'm gonna call him Dick because that's what Danny calls him. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, my friends call me Dick, so let's call him <laughs> we don't, We're not going to call Wendy the nagging wife. Let's call Halloran. The- uh, I, I think she, she's not a nagging wife. She's just like, uh, uh, my marriage is fucked up. My mom's worse. Yeah, I don't I don't think she is either, but Jack thinks No, so. she's terrific. <laughs> um, so what well, I would say. Well, Jack thinks so. Danny thinks so because Danny because, – because what – because – Danny desperately does not want to go to his grandmother's house. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was thinking, uh, let, l- imagine this book written by Stephen King, but somehow we've <laughs> vacuumed out all of the psychic stuff. What do we have left? We have a family uh, with a guy who's got a drinking problem. We've got a, his kid who's been abused. We have a very weird uh, cook who wants to abduct their son, right? Um, abduct. I mean, he literally asks him like seven, eight times, you want to come to Florida with me? Right? We yeah, think he it's wants cute. To rescue the kid. Yeah, right. Yeah. It, it literally abduct, right? Um, so if we, if we somehow magically suck out all the uh, Stephen King shinings in this book, you know, the title's mm-hmm. gone, obviously. Just call it the Overlook Hotel or whatever. Call uh, uh, it's it's a story about mental illness and alcoholism. Yeah. And once you think about that, you think about like, oh, okay, he's sort of conflating the two in a certain sense. Um, the the where the book I think is probably at its weirdest is when the alcohol uh, appears out of nowhere. I, I kept thinking he was going to find a stash of alcohol hidden somewhere. And he like doesn't find a stash. It's like conjured out of the ether, right? And he, yeah. Well, the, the overlook's apparently capable of creating real physical damage to Danny. Oh yeah. yeah so it's it, either all yeah. s- a psychic projection, and all the party uh, stuff, which as might well. I think actually Doctor Sleep might retcon this a little bit and give and say that Jack shined. I, think, I, I don't I think, quite remember. I think he really thinks that. It's like his solution to everything in a certain sense, yeah. right? And that's why uh, this book is so Stephen Kingy, even though uh, it hadn't occurred to me before because I'd only seen the movie. Um, mm-hmm. the, the plot of this is actually, um, it's not, uh, you know, there's a lot of references in here, but the one guy he doesn't actually reference that I, that is this story is a Guy de Montpassant short story called The Inn. Which is about a a guy who goes to a mountain pass uh, in in Switzerland uh, f- to stay for the winter as the caretaker. Um, the previous uh, occupants have have gone insane, and and he uh, goes up there, and they're a bit worried because he's inexperienced. So they send up a an experienced guy to go with him, but the experienced guy dies, and uh, there's dogs. <laughs> and at the end of the story he is like literally insane and the place is uh you know not in a good condition like the whole point of the that the 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 two stories is you have to have somebody there over the winter or the the place will be damaged right somebody mm-hmm. needs to be a caretaker so right. um the uh idea of cabin fever going up into the 
into the wilderness to get your novel written or whatever, and you end up obsessed, uh, which is the vision I have from the movie, which I haven't seen this century, um, is actually the same basic plot. But there's so much more going on here. And if you start thinking about how uh, how Stephen King does it, right? How does he fill those pages? I know pretty much all the family history of all of these characters, right? I know they're... You know the history of the Overlook, too. And the history yeah. of the Overlook. And uh, I sent, a, I think, a message to Evan early this week, and I was like, I'm so far ahead in this book. I, I've never been this far ahead this early in the week. And what 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 it was is I was actually not that far ahead. I was only like five hours in. I thought I was ten hours in, <laughs> but it just flowed so easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and Stephen King tricks you that way. He makes write long writing feel like easy writing and not feel like oh when are you going to get get to the meat of the action? So he actually goes backwards and forwards in time multiple times in the first five hours of the book. Where, I keep thinking that too. Like, yeah, the way he makes long bits of exposition and backstory feel fast is insane. Oh, I, I, mean, I, I thought I was old, deep like, into the book and I was thinking, wow, he's going to have to start going crazy pretty soon. And nope, that's not for another <laughs> four hours. <laughs> I mean, like the whole, the, like the whole interlude explaining about the car accident hitting the, hitting the bike in the road. It's like, it's like, we we jump we jump out of the main narrative a number of times in, so many times in in, in in exquisite detail, but it doesn't feel like it's a slug. It feels like we're building building this whole world, and as you said, the the backstory and history of all these characters, including the hotel, all gets fleshed out. But it doesn't feel like it's a chore to learn all this stuff. Yeah, his his pacing, like I kept on thinking. And that all the way through is like the, his mastery of like the perfect pacing for you, for entertaining you as you read. Like uh, the, the way he does that is so engrossing. Mm-hmm. And the other crazy thing is like the, you know, like the set piece scenes, like the bathroom scene with Danny right. when he goes and sees the woman in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. That is like two pages. Like that blows my mind because yep. it feels like such a big piece of the story. And then when I look at it, like in the novel, I'm like, that whole thing is literally just two pages. All the rest was backstory and build up and mm-hmm. dread and setting the, you know, setting you up for that moment. And then it's like, wow, it's very impressive. There's a lot of table setting for for those um, for those morsels. Yeah, the gourmet bits. But you, mm-hmm. they, they stand out as much larger, even though we think of them as yeah, it it, it it's like lasting a, a forever. Well, or, crucial or, or, scene. Like, you know, like Jack versus the. Hedge animals. Doesn't yeah, that's interesting. I, I don't remember if that was in the movie or not, but um, that, no, that was really the, interesting. It's not in the movie. I, uh, what's so interesting about that is um, the way it sneaks up on you, right? Like, I didn't expect that to happen. I'm like, oh, he's going insane. But he's been solely going insane. And one of the things that he does that's really weird is... I, I don't know if it's King or Torrance or the hotel doing it to him, is that it's sort of um, intrusive thoughts, right? So he he mm-hmm. get like a jingle in his head, um, some phrase. And we see that right from the beginning, from the opening interview, right? He's getting intrusive, negative th- th- thoughts. It's like some uh, somebody from outside is putting words into his head and influencing his mood and making him horrible and he is horrible but 
the horribleness is also tempered by the fact that he knows he's being bad and he's got to do better. And I, 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 I almost read this book like it's a big apology to his wife. <laughs> like I fucked up. I know I shouldn't have hit Joe that way. Um, I got to stop drinking. <laughs> the cool thing is, uh, this is my, you therapy. don't have the text, right? Jesse? No, no, I'm just doing the audiobook. Um, the way it's written on the page is really cool. Like the way he does those intrusive thoughts. Oh, really? is, yeah. It's all like parenthetical or like lines are just like broken up with like extra mm. paragraph breaks and no punctuation. And it's, uh, it's nice on the page. Yeah. Yeah. It would help be helpful. Uh, the narrator here is, uh, for the audiobook I read was, uh, Campbell Scott, who I think of as like, he's a David Mamet, uh, actor. I think it's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, is a sort of dry affect. Um, he's he's fine. Um, you I know, there's it. not massive uh, acting t- distinctions, but it, it absolutely has no uh, ill effect upon the on the writing. So, um, yeah, I think I prefer it. I like uh, minimal. Acting yeah, straight reading is what I call it, rather than a performance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so uh, uh, let's talk about some of the other influences because I think the biggest one that he thinks is the biggest one is The Mask of the Red Death. Uh, yes. Poe? I, I, I made, 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 made a note there. Yeah, The Mask of the Red Death comes up a number of times. Yeah, the the so masks with the S-Q-U-E um, and sometimes it's spelled that way in different publications. I think the original publication is that way actually, um, versus mask, M-A-S-K, which is also something you have at a mask, M-A-S-Q-U-E, right? Right. Um, have you guys all read this story in the 21st century? Because it is a very strange story. Yeah. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've heard the mask mask, I've read that personally, yeah. Ooh, can you tell me what the hell it's about? Because I don't nope. understand the, color, <laughs> the colored rooms. Um, I think Stephen King doesn't either, and he was like, Maybe I'll find my answer if I write a book that uses this a lot. I mean, I, I read this. I think it was it was like at the beginning of the pandemic because oh, you know really? because oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah because, of course because I thought like I should I should reread the Mask of the Red Death because you know mm-hmm. hello pandemic because you yeah know, no I I think I think that's when I read it too now that you mention it. Um, Oh, okay. Yes, it says originally spelled "The Mask of the Red Death," a fantasy, and it's M A S K. But now it's M A S Q U E. So I got that backwards. Um, what what's weird about it? We we know the basic premise, right? Which is everybody goes to the hotel. It's not a hotel; it's a castle. And it's they, an abbey. Uh, in the in this original, you're right. There it is. Um, so in the original, they all cloister themselves in an abbey. Um to lock out the pandemic that's happening outside the walls. Um, and then at some point out comes uh, the Red Death. But that's not actually the part that I'm not understanding. The part I'm not understanding is why there's a whole bunch of rooms that are different colors. I have no idea about that. Now, the rooms in this hotel are very interesting and I guess... The movie filmed at the actual place that Stephen King was basing this on. Um, I haven't been there, but one of the things that uh, is the ballroom or is it the 
yeah, I think it's the ballroom has a bat doors. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, no, it's the Colorado Lounge has the back doors. Is that? Yeah, yeah it's the Colorado Lounge. But the yeah. Colorado Lounge is the is in the hotel, right? But that's 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 the room that has the back doors. No, but that's the, the one where they they're going to have the ball. No, uh, the, that, that, the that, that that's where they yeah, that, yeah that's where they have the mask and and the drinking and all oh, and lot, lots of the supernatural elements that Jack gets subjected to from the hotel itself is in there. Yeah. Mm. His conversations and stuff, and the deal, the Coco deal, he made, he's made. Hmm. So no, no one can enlighten me on this. Uh, the colored oh, the, rooms things. Well, you, I, I don't. I didn't think much about that. You know how I read Mask of the Red Death, right? Tell me. Can't guess. Uh, it's about class. <laughs> Yeah, it's class. <laughs> of course. Have you met Evan? <laughs> I just, I just thought Evan class. I, I, I don't see, I don't see it exactly, but I, I, I want to hear it. I, it's the, it's the elite. They can't keep out the trauma of the working class. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. The, the elite can't escape, can't escape what what is affecting everybody else. You can't wall it away. That's that. That is it. That is a. It's like that Phil Oak song. What's it? The. Uh, it's a Phil Oak song. It's got a very similar plot. I mean, I so, mean it, it's, 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 it's ringing the whole of idea. revolution. Yeah, ringing of revolution. Yeah. I mean, it's the, the whole idea. Kind of- it's the whole idea that climate, that and the mind versus the whole yeah, when climate change happens, the rich are all going to high off and live in, live in bunkers in New Zealand and escape everything. And it's absolute bollocks nonsense that they can do this. Yeah. Uh, it, won't, it won't work the way they plan if that's that's the plan. So there's a story um, by Edgar Allan Poe called The Sphinx, and that's a terrific story. It's much better, uh, I think, than The Mask of the Red Death. Mask of the Red Death is dominated by the, the reveal, right, that the death has come. But but that's actually, like... Uh, this, you, I'll, you're, I'll saying, the, you're, saying the, you're saying it's spoiled? Not at all. No, I'm saying is that when we think about the Mask of the Red Death, we think about uh, the un- unmasking. It, that we we also see this in Robert W. Chambers, right? The um, unmask, I mean, I sir, to, I, unmask, I, and then yeah, I, was thinking, I, I was wear no mask. The I yes. was, yeah, I was thinking the yellow sign too with the, all the masking stuff, right? As well, yes. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, he's he's from King was familiar with all this stuff. Um, there's a Little hints of Lovecraft in here too, obviously. Um, they, at one at one point they talk about Jack as an opener. So yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Um, so he, it's he's not he's not doing Lovecraft exactly, but there. No, he's, Lovecraftian he, he, he's stuff doing cos- he's doing quasi cosmic, ultra not, not cosmic, not right, ultra terrestrial kind of horror stuff from beyond our own world. Kind of trying to make its way in, and I, I, I still maintain that it's uh, that it's um, Danny's fault that it's been supercharged yeah. by, by his by his by his is is opening the way and so and Jack's That's weakness. A, I can now I'm I think I'm Paul's doing, right about this. I'm doing telepathic reading now because I I can see Paul. Paul sees himself as Danny, and therefore it's Danny's fault. <laughs> like I'm not saying it's his. Fault. It's, it's, you literally it's, said it a second ago. Well, okay, but fault in the sense that he's doing it actively. It's a, it's a consequence of him being there that this happens. 
Uh, Danny, Danny can't even can't control it. Yeah, I, but I, he's I, a kid, right? He oh, he right. didn't choose to go there. I mean, I mean, I mean. Well, Please well, abduct um, me, uh, I mean, Dick. <laughs> he couldn't say let's that. Go, well, let's, well, go, let's go. Let's go back to Dick for a second, because Dick, Dick, as you said, uh, offers to take Danny away from the hotel several times mm-hmm. in that scene. I mean, Dick says that there's nothing in there that can harm anyone. But Dick doesn't quite realize. Oh, he's lying to him, though. He says, "Don't, but promise me, don't go into that one room." And of course, he right. does. Two seventeen. Right. But I think I he's just think... trying to protect Danny. He thinks yeah, he'll see don't... really bad things there. That's how I yeah, realize. I, right. Yeah, and I don't think Dick really understands how powerful Danny is, even even with the whole thinking at him in the car until he thinks at him all the way in Florida. Then I think get, Dick, Dick buys the vowel and figures out. Oh, Dan- Danny is a really, really, really strong shining, and this is really bad because he's in a he's in a place where he, he he he's he's um he's the one who knows the most in this whole story, right? Yeah, and he knew that Danny could call him to Florida because he told him to. Yeah, definitely. But 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 even so, I don't think he was expecting him to nearly get got, get knocked off the road in the process. Yeah, that, that's true. Uh, I was expecting yeah, yeah. that because he he had had uh, you, you know fainting spells or whatever in Germany, so I, I read that as being not surprising. Here, I just want to um, so going back to the Mask of the Red Death, which is important in this right the the clock almost striking midnight. Um, that there is like a literal mask some somehow comes back um, through time. <laughs> forward in time, right? All these go- the ghosts of of this party, this opening party. Um, but so so obviously King's thinking a, a lot about it. And this is not a plague story, right? It, it's not a contamination story like this is going to get loose in the world or anything like that. Yes, it's probably a good thing that the hotel's destroyed at the end. Um, but uh, this is the part of the Mask of the Red Death that I I know that teachers think is very important because they fucking test kids on it and there's no fucking answers that are correct that I can tell. This just sounds like bullshit to me. So this is uh, from some uh, online web study course, you know, get your homework done on time and write. It says, arranged in a row from east to west, the seven color-coded rooms in the abbey are considered symbolic of the progression of life. By whom? We go through, right? Here's the list. The stages they represent are birth, blue, youth, purple, adolescence, green, adulthood, orange, old age, white, imminent death, violet, and then death itself, black, scarlet. Where are they getting that from? I don't think King does that in here at all, right? So the thing that's striking King is that they have this uh, rich elite, which is what this hotel is for. Right, it's not yep. for the the poor's, and our um, our uh, Dick character has a uh, low class lifestyle outside of the hotel. Right, he is uh, a, was he a sergeant in the army? He was not an uh, an officer. He is not a president. He's not a son of a you know rich man, um, but he is nevertheless using this. It, it's almost like the ghost of of that abbey is this hotel, and now that now that you pointed that out, Paul, the abbey, 
That brings mm-hmm. me back to one of the most interesting characters, um, and perhaps the least developed. Even the doctors developed. <laughs> it's very well developed characters. Is the uh, or the summertime caretaker, um, who is the uh, descendant of the original oh, owner, the, right? And has fallen to becoming a caretaker. He's fallen from yeah. his uh, higher higher class. So this is this is actually the Lovecraftian element, in my view. What's that guy obsessed with? He says, "Make sure you look out for the rats in the walls." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um, this is a uh, a once high estate that needs to be maintained lest it fall, right? So he is he, his backstory uh, as like this is what I am reduced to, and what is he reduced to? Constant swearing. <laughs> right? He's the rudest character, most uh, lewd character in the book, and what is uh, um, Mrs. Halloran? Is it Halloran? No, Torrance. Halloran. Mrs. Torrance, Wendy. Oh, what does she think is, is the worst is when her husband swears too much. And even the son, right? Uh, prick. <laughs> gets upset <laughs> when his dad uses the word prick when he's really angry. Um, and then we think also uh, some of the best stuff in this book, um, uh, where the turn really came was when when he's we find out the backstory about him hitting the student yeah. and, and he says, but I didn't play with the timer. I didn't touch it. And then he basically says, Oh yeah, I did. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's like, you fuck. You, if you normally, if this is a unreliable narrator, right, we would s- distrust the entire book. Right. But actually he's only narrating for himself. He's not actually narrating this book for us. So that's Stephen King being highly manipulative of us, highly effectively. To- to- totally manipulating and, the reader. And what's so crazy is that he's actually manipulating himself, right? And yeah. that's this is that that rationalization of I drink because you're a bitch, right. <laughs> sort of logic. I like that about this. So though. so slick. It's, yeah. It's, Stephen King is doing self analysis, right? Mm-hmm. He's saying, like, the reason I'm a jerk is because I drink too much and my temper gets bad. And that causes me to get into a spiral and my neighbor's a jerk. And why won't he just fucking do what I asked him? Why is my wife such a bitch today? Like, yeah. Oh, and it's so, so it's so real. Like, mm-hmm. with addiction, like, um, I remember when I was trying to, like, quit smoking, I would try, I would like stop picking fights or getting angry about things so that I could have an excuse to storm outside right. and smoke a cigarette right. I didn't want to yep. have. And then I'd rationalize it to myself. Like, yeah, it's their fault. Yep. And it's like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. Yeah. And that, what, what's really interesting. Addiction about Addiction brain is, is not rational. But what's so mm-hmm. interesting about that, Marissa is um, if you think about what the effect of isolation is like physical isolation, um, you go into the mountains, you're going to be cut off from other human beings for months on end. Who is to blame? <laughs> you look around and there's like snow and some animals that are cut out of topiary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you can't, you can't, and you know, you you look around for somebody to blame and uh, of course he finds them. So I want, I want to imagine how this book would work without all the uh, woo-woo of of Stephen King's breakers and 
Uh, shiners. <laughs> well, it is woo-woo. And uh, what's funny is that this would be a pure horror novel and not a fantasy novel like a lot of people, you know, trying to give it awards are saying if if there were no uh, woo-woo. Because The yeah. Shining uh, is is the thing that sort of makes it Stephen King. Whereas a, like a lot of the Stephen King imitators... Um, we did a book not that long ago called uh, uh, Nick Cutter's the author. What's the book called? The Evan? Troop one? The Troop, right? Which is pure body horror. There's a lot of filling in backstory about, you know, mm-hmm. the characters. and it's, it's trying to be Stephen King, fill the same genre, but it doesn't have the... Stephen King telepathy uh, is real in in the world of my writings, and so it 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 becomes about only that, and so it's almost like this book has two things going on that shouldn't go together. He puts his peanut butter in his uh, zebra sauce, <laughs> zebra sauce, wait, and you say, wait, 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 zebra sauce should not be with your peanut butter. That's for chocolate. Those two things go together. But no, he puts it together and somehow it's like a magic spell that he casts over everybody, including me. And we, uh, we all say, yeah, Stephen King's a good writer. <laughs> because well, it, it doesn't it feel so real because it's, it's not so just weird. like the standard, like college kids traipsing off onto a camping weekend, walking into horror thing, you know, it's like, yeah. And as a story about a marriage breakdown and addiction, and that part of it is so strong. That when all the horror comes in, like it, it makes the horror feel real as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It made me think of, um, it made me think of Philip K. Dick's puttering about in a small land because he mm. kind of did that. Like he kind of wrote mm-hmm. a domestic marriage drama yeah. and took out all of his mm. Philip K. Dickiness. And, yeah, that that is that is. It, yeah, that's a really good comparison. We did, listeners, if you did don't know, we did that one on the podcast some time back. You should mm-hmm. go listen to that. And there's a kind of. Um, Phenomena, like I, I was just rereading with some students um, uh, a couple of short Philip K. Dick stories uh, out in the garden, the one where he, his wife's been cheating on him with the sun, <laughs> like the big shiny ball in the sky. <laughs> um, and it's like, it, well, why did you put this in here, Philip K. Dick? Because I need to do my fantasy. Uh, I need to sell fantasy. And also I want to work out my stress about my wife cheating on me. <laughs> <laughs> um, or so fears Stephen, of same, yeah, uh, yeah. And Stephen King um, is like this is. It seems to me like that he doesn't write anything that is pure fantasy. Uh, I, I haven't read that um, uh, Dark Tower. I know that it it takes inspiration from a particular poem, right? Uh, Child Roland, etc. To the dark trial. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he's never literally met a werewolf, right? He's never literally, uh, you know, been in a Hunger Games style situation, which, you know, but he, he takes those things, uh, from his own life and then, and spins them up to that effect very, very successfully. Yeah. And actually, that reminds me of the other cool thing that he's doing in this book, not just the marriage breakdown, um, because that's not really the focus. It's the um, the fear of your anger at your kids, which I don't think I've seen another book about that mm-hmm. before. Like, that's such a cool, scary thing to write about, about like parents getting stressed about getting too angry at their children. 
Because he's constantly trying not to, like, hurt Danny or get, you know, convincing himself, like, I love him, I'd never hurt him. Mm. But they are such such a change in your life. And when you <clears throat> when your life's not going the way you want it to, it's like, well, it's easy to blame the kid on some level. Because mm-hmm. they're the ones who's the kind of Absolutely. They are things. literally controlling your yeah. life because you have an mm-hmm. obligation that you didn't have before. It's And they're so stressful. Right, right. The anxiety that Wendy's always uh, having about her son is incredible. Um, but it also made me think that thinking about Wendy's mom, uh, who we never see, right? We only see from memory. Um, and, and the reaction that characters have to her memory. Uh, what's so interesting about that is imagine if instead of, um, Jack dying in this book, he lives, right? Um, this actually complicates things quite a lot. But if you look at the relationship that Wendy has with her mom, that was an abusive relationship. It was not oh, pro- yes, perhaps physically abusive. Psychologically abusive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's an yeah. ongoing thing. But you have to love her because you have no choice. But you can't love her uh, because she's a monster. And she she is in a certain – like I, I, I before the revelation that the red rum is murder backwards, um, I was thinking that re- the red rum was going to be like um, bloodthirstiness. <laughs> I, I, I thought it could be something like you know, like the uh, the the wash of blood that we see in the movie. Yeah, that's what I thought it was, Red Rum was going to be. Mm. I kind of get disappointed we didn't get that. It's all symbolic there. I, I to bring out the things that we can't see except on the pages. But the uh, the the mom's relationship with the daughter and her intrusive thoughts. She is like a, an alcoholic in a certain sense, right? Yeah, we don't see her drinking. But it is, uh, and it's a kind of twisted version of the motherhood that Wendy is trying not to, I, I think she's not struggling with it. I think she's, she's just, she's, she's got a bad marriage, right? So her relationship with her husband is kind of like a, a similar, once she, once she had the kid, right? Which, was a way to go. And we don't see their courtship exactly, but we, we got hints of it. Um, she chose a broken person to have a kid with. So a divorce can't solve their problems because they're forever joined by the kid. Right? Mm-hmm. Maybe if the kid died. But the, the relationship she has with her mom is horrible. She can't go back to it. And if Jack Torrance somehow survived the end of this book... How could she go back to him? She couldn't, right? So thinking Mm -hmm. about what Stephen King is saying with this book is like, it's like, if I don't stop drinking and and stop twisting Joe's arm the wrong way when I'm drunk, um, I'm going to have to kill myself because my wife shouldn't take me back. And that's like, wow, it's a very interesting self-analysis. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time reading his interviews, but, um, I do know that he had a drinking problem and, uh, he does have a kid and, <laughs> or a couple kids, right? Um, yeah. And he's literally said this book is like Jack is him. Mm-hmm. It's about him, like what he was fearing of like the path that he was on. What do you guys he make just, of, 
What do you what do you guys make of the other drunk? The guy who's always saying stay dry. Oh, Al? Yeah, the rich guy who mm-hmm. owns the hotel or a controlling interest in the hotel. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting backstory. I mean the Again, there's a there's, class. There's a lot drawn from life there, like the you know, you bonding over drink. Like right. I think this is something Jack London does a lot in John Barleycorn, mm. where there he's obviously providing some justification for his alcoholism there. Um we should do that book someday, but um I'm up for it. but but what he one thing he really emphasizes in that book is is drinking is a social custom, right? It's something that's that binds communities together in a way, and that can be sometimes quite positive, but you know it also can become very disruptive when it it goes bad for some people. So that that's what it was for for Jack and Al, right? What it was it, something. Yeah, yeah like, I mean, we're together. Hope, we're on the hope. same team here in this. Yeah, in hope. this. In this institution, the and there's, of course, he was higher up, right? He was like the chairman of the board or something, right? A judge, basically. Board of directors, right? yeah. But he was on the board of directors of the school or something, right? Mm-hmm. Right, so right, right, connect- right, right, because yeah. he talks about trying to get him back to being a teacher. Like, if you don't... But it was like at the at the parties, right? They, they, there's like, they could... On being away. Yeah. Alcohol. And then that was their glue. It only went so far, right? Because even Al was ready to say, you know, you're... The favors are running out, but it's, so that's so good stuff. That's the, a great mm-hmm. the, uh, There's a really interesting scene where he, uh, Jack, calls the guy who hired him, uh, the manager. Oh man, yeah. Oh my well, god, yes. That's a great scene in Brilliant Cup. Okay, like, first Jack before you get into this, up. I have my 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 theory on this. Okay, mm-hmm. and I I think my. Maybe it's in the text. Maybe it's not. A, maybe it's actually what's happening. Maybe that's what right. you all agree with me. It's like he's trying to be fired. He, he's trying. He to says fired. that in yeah. the text. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I think yeah, so that's a reasonable interpretation. Do you know what's interesting about that, though, is that he's got this history of self-sabotage. Like mm-hmm. he keeps on getting fired and yeah. fucking up everything. But this time, if he'd got fired, it actually would have been to everyone's benefit. But because of his yeah. Yeah. history of self-sabotage, he... He recognizes it, and he's like, no, <laughs> I'm going to stick it out this time. And what's so interesting about that is, like, imagine – so you can see from two different ways of, of – so imagine there is no shining, right? Mm-hmm. That, that All that is just, you know, coincidence, like the doctors arguing and uh, – oh, by the way, um, a whole other thread in here, the imaginary friend, um, That that is an old thing in uh, – uh, fantasy, like it's an old trope, where the, the imaginary fan who's not really not so imaginary, yeah, yeah. who's real, right? And I'm, sometimes I'm, they're. I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I was thinking of Har- I was thinking of Harvey, even though that Danny himself is not an alcoholic. But I was thinking of Harvey. But yeah, that's a movie movie adult though, right? Whereas oh, was Harvey? I, I haven't seen Harvey the movie. Was Harvey a childhood friend who stuck around or came back? He's a I giant actually, rabbit. I, I don't actually remember. That's a good question. Um. But but the, but there but it does make me think of some books and movies where the childhood friend comes back. Um, um, oh, what can I think of the name of the movie offhand? Um, or or like um or like um, oh god, uh, blah 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 blah. Um, <laughs> the the um um Ted, the movie Ted. 
Oh yeah, the, well, you basically oh, yeah. Have, we have the teddy bear that's the childhood friend that comes to life and stays there, and that yeah. becomes a problematic in adulthood. Yeah, but um, not problem. Of, um, yeah, drop dead Fred. No, yeah, no, I was thinking drop dead. dead. Yeah, right. I couldn't remember the exact title. Yes, I was thinking drop dead Fred as well. Thank you, thank you, Marissa. Uh, aren't we talking about the Seth um, Oroville guy? Well, wait, wait. There's two. Right, there's yeah. two different movies we're talking about here. We're talking about Ted and Bedroom. The original one I was trying to think of then before I switched to Ted was Bedroom. Was Drop Dead Friends. Okay, which I is another childhood friend. Which is another childhood friend. Is childhood imaginary friend is actually real and messes up the adult person's life. The two I'm thinking of. There's a story by Anthony Boucher called um, Mr. Lupescu, um, and then there's another one which might have been in Weird Tales. The other one is Thus I Refute Beasley by John Collier, and uh, both of these are very old, like. Weird Tales era, if not earlier. No, I think Weird Tales era, and I'm I'm I think one of them was in, uh, might have been in Weird Tales. In any case, um, the idea of a childhood friend, uh, and the kind of um, in the insanity that children are allowed to have that adults don't, uh, schizophrenia sort of thing. Um, if you if you look at this book as like a uh, a book about mental illness and not about shining. <laughs> the, the the son is like the father. He's he's mentally ill, right? The wife. Yeah, Jack's father is also probably mentally ill. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's get into it's that. It's really Lovecraftian. Yeah. yeah, let's get into yeah. that a bit uh, after, but because uh, I, I I don't know I don't understand Jack's father enough. But um, when we think of that phone call, what he's doing is. Uh, classic mental illness, which is blaming others for things that don't really matter. Like, you didn't tell me that this hotel was used by criminals. It's like, <laughs> wait a second. Wait a second. Didn't you say Nixon stayed in one of the hotel's rooms? I'm like, we know that the hotel was used by criminals. Yeah, but you didn't tell me. All the details. Like, I didn't know. I don't care. I run the hotel. So it's unreasonable, right? It's an unreasonable phone call. And so in the one sense, he is trying to get fired. And it would have been better had he been able to be fired. So his his uh, alcoholic best friend, who he's quasi-blackmailing, not exactly, yeah. um, yeah. doesn't fire him if he promises to not, uh, again, blackmail him with uh you know he he wants to make money right so there's a there is a um this is not uh, modern stephen k stephen king shit liberty this is sort of like the kind of like uh this is something that lovecraft does too right is that we bury the truth we destroy the truth we make yeah. it not real um, and so the struggles of our, um, Dick to get to, to get from Florida, he actually does the same. He lies to his boss about what's going on. Oh, can you blame him? Absolutely not. And he's as honest as he can be, you know, without, you know, getting fired, basically. But that phone call is kind of, um, unreasonable. And yet it was a bad place for people. Based on the pr- previous history, um, people killing themselves in their rooms, uh, people being shotgunned to death in their rooms, people being uh, sexually trafficked, people um, uh, like even like 
there's a lady early on in the, I guess the last day of closing, she won't pay except with her American Express card. You can come arrest me. Um, we never find out how she paid. <laughs> right. But what we do know is he wanted to, she wanted to get in the pants of some younger guy. Right. So the, the idea of this hotel being a cursed place, I think is more important than the fact that there's a shining in a, one of the particular characters because, uh, Evan thinks that a lot of characters are hidden shiners and breakers. I think all of them are. I think everybody who's in a Stephen, like, remember, there's a guy who, uh, gives Dick a, uh, he gives him like a sweater and a can of gasoline and says, I don't know. I don't believe you, but I believe you. He's a, he's another shiner, right? They're all shiners. Yeah. So if we, if we pretend like that doesn't exist, what he's doing there in that phone call is, uh, highly unreasonable. Unless the hotel actually is cursed. In which case, or, you know, uh, you know, for what, like, it's haunted for whatever reason. And I think if you read it that way, if you sort of, uh, try not to think about the shining too much there actually is a crit it's the same criticism that stephen king always has which is there is a basic fundamental flaw in in the american society <laughs> it's a class-based thing but we can't talk about it and that's why i think that that uh going back to the predominant the predominant um Illusion in this book is the Mask of the Red Death, which is why Evans' analysis of it is right, other than the color coding, which I think he ignores in this pretty much. I also thought Red Room uh, might be the um, Red Rum, but it turned out not to be, right? I don't know that he knew what he was doing with that when he, like when he's writing the book, does he, does he said Red Rum? Um, that's going to turn out to be murder or does he just get the phrase and then he figures out what it is because it could have gone a whole bunch of different ways. Right. How does, how yeah, does, how I think he's famously not in? a plotter. I think he, I think that's I think right. He does just go with the flow. And, and yet there's no dangling threads that, uh, ruin it. Um, so can we talk about, um, the, the dad? I just want to go back to this this phone call in a way. Yeah. Like, yes, it's e- irrational if the if the house is not if the hotel is not cursed, whatever it is. It's, it's it's I think it's more like a hill house, right? It's more like yes. just a evil house, right? Yeah, that's another influence oh, oh. I mentioned. Yeah, but because he does the same thing in Salem's Lot with the Marston House, it's very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, it's not the hotel that's making him make that call. Right, the hotel wants no. him to sit and and write the book. That's right. And stay there, right, and keep the family there so they can get Danny. So it's him tr- trying to free himself. That's, that's and save his family, right? Save his family, and it makes him look like. I mean, it's cringy to read, right? It's, oh yeah, it's hard to read it, but that's his only way out at that point. It's one of those drunken phone calls, you or you know, uh, some boyfriend. <laughs> And the girlfriend come knocking on the door late at night. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> Go to bed. Go sleep it off. No, but they're probably, they want out their relationship. And they, yes. they, the alcoholism make, gives them the 
I'm thinking of relationships that are long done and coming back to memories to say um, the horrible things that they need to to get out of the relationship. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. He's acting out and he's got a really good reason for it. Mm hmm. But he can't just say he quits. Yeah. This whole family's relying on this. Right, and that's set up so but well he, too. It's like he this actually, is the last chance for the family. He you see which might be overblown, stuff. but it's repeated many times. Mm. Um, two other uh, illusions uh, before I forget them. One, the silver key. <laughs> there's yeah. a there's a silver key in here. Well, the silver key with with uh, oh now I'm forgetting the. Uh, you, are you thinking the sequel? No, I'm thinking of Danny's imaginary friend. Uh Tom. Tom. Yeah, that's it. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of I don't know who Tom is. Uh, who's Tom? Wait, Tony, you mean? Tony. 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 Yeah, Tony. Why did I say Tom? <laughs> I was asking you for the name and you said Tom. <laughs> yeah. That sounds right. Yeah, Tony. Yeah. Tony's the, 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 the future Danny. Ah, interesting. Um, does, uh, is that explicit? I don't know. Maybe. I, I Yeah. I don't know. I catch that. I don't know. I don't think it is explicit. Um, it, it is interesting though, cause he only sees them from a distance. Um, but it, actually that does fit with the silver key by Lovecraft, right? Mm. Which is, uh, I don't know if he, if he was consciously bringing that in or, cause it winds up a clock. It doesn't open a door, right? But it, the door is a door to time. So maybe it does. Um, that's really interesting. Uh, I can't remember the other reference that was um, explicitly in here. So, wasn't there a, a father figure? Who's the father? You mean, you mean you mean Jack's father? Uh well, yeah. So I don't know much. Well, what... Jack's father is definitely abusive towards him. Yes, it's definitely a cycle. He's, he's, he's abusive to his to his mother and abusive to him. Right. So he's re- reiterating that with his kid. So when he, I, I mean, there's even even some. I mean, as, as the novel goes on, I mean, Jack starts aping the words of his father. It's yeah. like the take your medicine stuff. That's his father. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's afraid the hotel is turning him into his father, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Is it that's what? a crazy scene, by the way, with the backstory with his father when he beats his mother and her glasses, her spectacles fall into the mashed potato with blood on them. Like, wow. What yeah. a crazy image. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she says something about get your father's newspaper. Like, she's her mind is just like, your brain's been battered. Yeah, it's um, it's a coping mechanism. Yeah. Right. Oh, that just made me shiver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it's a powerful image. Um, when the when Jack Jack actually gets what he wants, which is to kill himself, right? He mm-hmm. he he he's going to prevent the the continuous continuing of the abuse. By killing himself. Um, and when he's up on the roof, there's a hint of that, I think. Uh, but then he gets distracted by the, um, by the wasps because they bug him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's really interesting. It's not really their fault for bugging him. Uh, no, but it's a, another thing he can blame. And then, so what, what do we make of the bug spray? <laughs> A bug bomb. Because to me, that's another case of, um, and I don't think it's made super explicit, but I, to me, that's another case of, um, 
I didn't adjust the timer on the test, uh, like this kid yeah. is saying, but I actually did. He wanted to have his son stung, right? Oh, yeah, that's fine. Because the bug, bu- right the bung, bug bomb failing to work, and he gets all uh, he gets all huffy, and we're gonna sue and right and takes photos, and the wife's like, let's just like focus on the kid right now, <laughs> and and no, no, we gotta sue like that. That blame is shifting the blame. Mm-hmm. It's it's not me. It's your stutter, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh man. Um. So. That uh, and then the play, which is the I guess the book within the book, which also uh, is King and Yellow too, right? Because we always think of King and Yellow as being text text based, but it's actually a play that people are reading that drives them insane. Um, and the I guess it's not it's not in the book, but um, the line "All work and no play" makes Jack a dull boy. Um, I yeah, think it's is a good reading of what's actually happening in here. Um he gets distracted from his the project that he wants to finish, which is actually about understanding himself, right? That play that he's writing is a play about him and his abuse of a kid. Right, he explicitly said yeah identifies him as one of the characters in the play. But so, I actually think the the, the overlook gives him a much better book to write. That his book, his play <laughs> sucks. <laughs> oh, I agree. I don't want to read it. Is awesome that he should have. You know, if, if I, I mean, it's it's a legitimate so temptation because yeah. he knows the book. The play sucks. And overlooks like here. Here's the do- here's the documents you need. You don't even have to go to the library. But notice, yeah, Evan, this is all you need to make yeah. this excellent book. But notice, Just give Evan, us your son. The yeah. very important part of it. What does Stephen King do instead of exposing, uh, you know, American corruption and American kleptocracy and American uh, sin? He makes it personal. And, and, and he doesn't expose the history of the Overlook Hotel, right? He ex- instead exposes, you know, a family. And he says, you know, we could all muddle through somehow and everything will be okay. <laughs> it's like, but he, he, he exposes it as, to us, to the readers. And this makes them different than Lovecraft. It's not that there's always oh, some horrible thing in the past. I'm going to make it really fuzzy. So even the reader can't quite see what's exactly going on. Well, I, mean, that, I think King is better at history. He's more comfortable with revealing the history than someone like Lovecraft is. Which uh, seems to much more want to suppress. Well, it. Lovecraft's always, always writing about suppressing, uh, things that, things, things in the past, what's the line from, uh, I Claudius. Let all the poisons in the mud hatch out, right? Yeah. Something like that. Um, so he actually, the stories are always about the the attempt to repress, and then um, it it sort of somehow coming out anyways in the in the form of the story. Whereas I don't think sitting down to read this book when when uh, teenage Marissa first read it, <laughs> um, I don't think she said. This is a critique of American capitalism. (laughs) 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 But if he had written, if Jack Torrance had, if Jack Torrance had written that book about exposing, you know, uh, how American kleptocracy works, um, 
she wouldn't have responded in the way she did to the book because it would be a dry sort of thing. But he actually goes the opposite direction. Instead of trying to sneak in a message, he is actually literally hiding the message um, in favor of a story about a psychic family, right? And a, a, a disaster. Oh, I remember the other reference I think that I think is in here. Um, is the boiler and the, the temperature? The boiler is his temper. Yeah, the boiler and mm-hmm. his temperature uh-huh. as a metaphor for his temper and for his state of mind. Yes. I, uh-huh. I made notes to that. It's like, but, oh, it's threatening to blow. But that's something. a specific story. I think it's um, Fondly Fahrenheit by Alfred Bester, which is about, he, a, you know this story? Mm-hmm. Marissa? Mm-hmm. You know this one, Marissa? Yeah, can you hear me? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, no. you're there. Um, yeah, so, I love that story. So uh, it's about when the temperature gets too high, um, things bleed into each other, and he can't tell which of us I am anymore. <laughs> um, and then we've got that duality within within uh, Jack Torrance, right? He is he his job is to keep the temperature from blowing, right? Really. Everything that he does could be automated, except for the the roof uh, um, reshingling. Right? You could just like get a a thing that turns on a timer that turns things on and off every day if you wanted to. Maybe somebody needs to supervise that. But going down there twice a day and checking the temperature and switching even days and odd days for the thing. Basically, the job is not a. It's it's not a real job, right? He is not like in the kitchen cooking, like our chef. He's not um, writing a book. He's not, it's a, somebody just has to be a, a warm body there. And yet that routine of going down into the basement, it's, it is very um, symbolic, right? And he gets stuck down there and the wife says, what, what are you doing down there? Nothing. Stop making noise, papers. It, it, it's been a while since we've had the Jesse voices, listeners. They're back. <laughs> Don't look at these newspapers. <laughs> They're very important. It's like, uh, and then he goes and makes a rude phone call. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> your, your mental illness is uh going up and grinding excedrins all day. It's not gonna solve it. Yeah, chewing excedrins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> But do they taste like bitter, bitter uh, acid, something like that? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, very, very well put together book. Uh, almost too well put together. It's almost like this book's going to be a uh, famous hit. First, <laughs> <laughs> <Hers> a thought. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know. Like, what, what did he follow this up with? Does anybody know this chronology? The stand is next. Oh no! See, oh yes, much bigger scope. Much and mm-hmm. and yeah, I was thinking that this stand was probably the second biggest thing, the thing that re- really would have made him. Um, but he has all this other stuff. I I quite like his short stories. So, I mean, the the, the short story in the movie I thought of as. Especially at the end of this book, and when things go kaboom, because that's not the way the movie goes. No, the money is room fourteen oh eight. 
which ends yeah. with a hotel room yeah. going on fire. Right. Again, an evil as an evil bleeping room. Um, I think our main character, what's his name? Um, Mike, I think. In fourteen oh eight, yeah, John Cusack. <laughs> he's not. He's not a shiner. The room is just evil on its own. It's made clear that the room just does does things and doesn't need Mike to to mm. um, activate it. Mm. So it, it's it's I, I looking at the Wikipedia page now. Um, so the story is actually from nineteen ninety nine. So I think Stephen King was thinking like, okay, I've done the Shining. Now let me do a thing where where the room is just evil from the start and doesn't need any priming. But let's end it up fire too. So mm. I don't know. I like. I, I think uh, there's a lot of love to be had in the in the little stories like that. We did. Uh, maybe it was the first Stephen King we did was a story called The Night Flyer, um, which which got turned into a movie, and that's how I first saw it. And it's like it's a it's a vampire who has an airplane. <laughs> well, this this one is very um, very personal. It seems. Like, I know they're all personal, but I, I don't think, I think this one is way more personal than Revival. I think Revival is almost philosophical and it's mature. Whereas this one is like, um, it, it, it feels like a mature work in that it, it reads so f- easily and flows so well, but it feels like also like I've got some problems in my life and this is how I am dealing slash dealt with it slash yeah. them. It's like he's like digging real deep in this yeah. one. Yeah, and uh, uh, I forgot how old Danny was, um, but Five, at the end, he, yeah, he, he's going to be six. And it's like what? How? Uh, he, he's way too uh, bright for a six-year-old. Well, they deal with that in the text. Thing. I know because he, because he shines. He's picking yeah. up on things. But you know, uh, he's he's one he wants to learn to read. And I'm like, oh, he's a delayed reader. <laughs> well, he wants to learn to read because he wants to know what Red Room is. Right. Yeah. That's why he's so urgent to read. Yeah. I I think the age works. I think King usually picks the right ages. I think his adapt his adapters mm. usually pick the wrong ages. Mm-hmm. Like. I think the new It adaptation was such a disaster because mm. they aged up the kids. Yeah, it's a mistake. When the kids no longer... The whole point's about young people believing in magic and magic being mm-hmm. a weapon. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, we're going to make our kids like 14. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, uh, it's the same with that um, Joe Hill uh, series uh, in comics called... The uh, first book's called Welcome to Lovecraft. I can't remember what the whole series is called. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, for the television adaptation, they they took Lovecraft out because he was problematic. Replaced him with August Derleth, <laughs> <laughs> which is to me, Evan, that is like the essence of shit library. <laughs> it's like you just don't know <laughs> August Derleth. Like, you know, first of all, August Derleth isn't you know great, <laughs> so you're replacing him is like just a mistake. Um, but you know. Lovecraft is definitely a racist, but August Derleth was like a liar <laughs> and a you know a thief, <laughs> whatever. But uh, th- that book, uh, that series of books, I can't remember what it's called. Starts with a the first volume is called "Welcome to Lovecraft." Is about a house um, where the kids 
uh, in the family all can see the magic, but after a certain age, you forget uh, that the house was full of magic. It's like, uh, oh, it's called lock and key because there's magic keys that allow you to like open up people's. Lifting that from his father. Uh, It's very interesting, right? So you get a key that can open the back of someone's head. You just bring the key, a silver key near somebody's head, and then suddenly a keyhole opens up in the back of their head. And you can reach in there and take out memories that, you know, you lying to them or of them seeing you steal something or whatever. And you can also put those memories in other people. Or you can take those uh, uh, other people's memories and put them, uh, and and there's tons of other keys. So it's a like a really cool uh, premise of uh, showing how kids uh, can have magic, uh, but deep down under the house and all all these keys, it ultimately turns out to be uh, star metal that's uh, evil shagoths or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it. It is a fundamentally interesting thing, but what what the the wielders of these of these magics are like? They won't follow through in a certain sense, and I'm not even like saying you need to be political. I'm saying like you're you know what the problem is. You've laid it all out right here, but then you choose to go the other way. How does that happen? I don't know, but it's what they choose. And it, in the case of Stephen King, it always seems to work out to be a good book. But uh, I don't know. I, maybe it's why he is a genre rather than like a, um, I don't know. There's uh, Stephen King's not treated like a gutter guy, right? But he also isn't treated like, you know, I don't, he's probably been awarded some award by a president at some point, right? But he's not treated like a um, literary uh, genius. And it's perhaps no. because he's got um, this uh, fantastic element in his work. And he's more interested in that than he is in uh, breaking through and becoming uh, uh, one of those Upton Sinclair style guys that Evan's always reviewing, right? But even in the like literary, like speculative fiction writing circles, they kind of frown on him a little bit as oh, well. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I've got some friends who are like, "Why the hell would you read Stephen King? He sucks." And it's like, he really doesn't. Well, that, <laughs> really? Some, some of that is jealousy, I think. Right? Maybe it's, some of that's got to be jealousy because he he's you know so successful. Yeah. Maybe. But the people who like Stephen King, I don't think are liking him because he's popular. I think they're liking him because he he delivers goods that people want to read because there isn't a cachet with like I've got a Stephen King book on my bookshelf whereas there is yeah. a lot of cachet with other writers right I got all There's the also, bookers you know he doesn't do that like literary poetic writing as well like you I mean there are some amazing lines and stuff that he uses all the time right. but um it's not that kind of style that i think some people prefer and that's cool like i like both so that's why i love stephen king and literary stuff as well i I can Mm -hmm. like westerns too but some people like they're prejudiced right Mm -hmm. there's the literary snobs um and and so when he produces something like this i think part of part of what makes it not the american classic even though you know a lot of people should read it um is because he does this, um, he focuses on sort of a weird Stephen King thing, which is shining. Like, 
I, I, I didn't actually never, I, I don't ever remember why it was called The Shining. Right. <laughs> I, when I watched the movie, I was like, okay, I don't, well, it looks like a hotel and blood elevator and uh, a guy with an axe. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, the heart of, of that part of the story is the sitting in the car and talking to the, uh, old black man who who knows about the history of the hotel a little bit even though he's only been there a season or whatever and also knows about Danny and knows what's up with him mm-hmm. so uh in the sequel which i presume Evan has read Dr. Sleep uh do they yeah. they go into the relationship with um with our black man because they're supposed they're going to have one after this book, right? Well, they it's it's Danny's like thirty five in the story, so and he was sixty two so at the end dead. of this, right? So you Halloran had died, and but Halloran had taught him to because the ghosts keep haunting Danny, the Overlook ghost, because somehow they survived the hotel being hmm. destroyed, so they continue to haunt him. Don't and it now. Dick Dick teaches him to box them away and then they jump ahead to when he's like an alcoholic at 40 so oh, it's, like, no. it's like alcoholism and and he takes up he eventually gets a job because he's like basically a bum and he eventually gets a job like at a hospice just helping people die using the shining to help people die is it like um kevorkian style or um, yeah oh cool kind of kevorkian but he, i don't know if he's actually he is kind of helping them pass. I don't know. He's, he's not, like, them. shooting them up drugs, but he's using his shining to help them pass. Yeah. Um, which is a good service, I think. Oh, yeah. You find some meaning in that. Um, but the main plots about the, about all these people who shine and they're being preyed on by psychic vampires. And Danny has to kind of, you know, become a. Get back his mojo and, and save the day. <laughs> <laughs> so the vampires here aren't like um, people trying to live off of boomers. It's uh, not as good as the shiny. Yeah, okay. I, they, there's these. Uh, he's, the, the vampires are cool, though. The, the vampire stuff is neat. He's been like, incredibly resistant they're to like, sequels, oh, which is. They're like, uh, they're like homeless people, too, who are just like wandering around because they have to because there's not many people that shine. So they have to go find them. And sometimes they recruit them, and sometimes they just keep stay. They're able to stay alive for centuries because they they drink this, this kind of shining. Is there a third book in this this shining series? No. Okay. The, shi- the shining cinematic universe. Yeah. So uh, you know, I think that that that's actually really like it's the fact that he has done so. F- I know he's got like endless uh, Dark Tower stuff. But I think that that's his own. I got to work this out rather than the yeah, demand. Yeah, I, th- I think what he does with the Dark Tower is he he's like, I'm going to connect different stories to the Dark Tower, but they're not going to be connected right. to each other. Right. And, and the Dark Tower is kind of a multiverse. Right. So it. But that it works I, I really don't well. think that that's publisher demand. Right. The norm normally. Oh, like, I definitely don't think so. Nor- uh, it's not popular enough for for that. People love Stephen King. They want to read new Stephen King. He's always providing them with that. But what's so interesting about Stephen King, as opposed to, you know, like, uh, other, you know, writer you want to read, like, uh, Greg Bear. I'm reading his stuff. Yeah. I, his writing is, 
amazing ideas, kind of hard to understand because it's not well constructed, but you really like it and you want him to keep writing. And then he falls into the trap, which is I need to write Halo novels because Halo has mm-hmm. money and I don't. Um, and then you write sequels to the Halo novels or you make a trilogy because you're, you're publisher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Novels, right. You, you did also you've, did for a while. You're following the market rather than doing what you're, you know, Stephen King has the luxury, but a lot of people. So Marissa, Marissa, yeah. I have a question. Yeah. You, you yeah. like Stephen King. You read the dark tower. Yeah. Oh, you have. Yeah. You know. What do you think of it? It's good. Yeah. I really liked it. Um, I read it first when I was a teenager, and I think, aside from Stephen King getting me into horror, I think The Dark Tower is what got me into science fiction as well, along with Dune. Mm. I've read some of The Dark Tower, not all of it. Like, books one and four, I think. The the first one, and then the one with the train, where a lot of it's just, like, talk backstory. Yeah, you missed. That's a cliffhanger. Three three ends on a cliffhanger, so you jump right into the... I jumped right in. Oops. I did it wrong. No, that's some good... That's some of the best stuff is in four. Is it finished? Because I'm looking at the Wikipedia. It's all done. It's finished. I haven't read the last ones. Oh, you didn't read, like, the... like five, six, seven. I no. I think I might. Have, I think four might have been where I got up to, or five. I can't remember. I think I read five actually. Yeah, was, like after the accident, he he wrote them all like in one year. He wrote mm-hmm. the rest of the series in like one year. Yeah, or I two. keep meaning to like go back and reread. The That's interesting. Ones. Why would he do that? Why would he write them all in one year? He's like, I have to get this out. Well, I have to get this finished. I, I can't be a George R.R. Kind of Martin. In the text. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like I, he, he shined and he saw in the future. Oh, George That's R. R. Right. Martin's never going to finish. <laughs> I can't do that to my legacy. <laughs> oh, you know, the first book in that series, it says, is 224 pages. The last book in that series is 845 pages. <laughs> there, there was, I mean, I mean, it's not an iron it's novel, but generally, series books get larger as the series goes on. But book six is short. Uh, 432 pages. So, mm-hmm. um, but, yeah, but, but generally, but the total is upwards. 4,316 yeah. pages for the entire run, it Dark says. Novel. Main series, ah. it says. Uh, so you got, you got some reading ahead of you, if you, if you can, if you can. Yeah, I was telling the Dark Tower. I was telling a student, uh, I need to have Eric retire or die, uh, and uh, me to take die? a couple, uh, well, retire or die and take a, me, me to take a couple weeks off so I can read, uh, the book about Alan Dulles. <laughs> it's just like 30 hours long or something, right? Uh, because I can't, I can't read that much if I'm going to do a show every week. And if I do right. two shows every week, I, I just, you know, I can read a 300 page book. No problem. I can't read a 800 page book easily. Mm-hmm. It's one of your weird rules for the, for the read throughs that you, we can't split up a book over a few episodes. Uh, we did, th- we have actually done that. Uh, we, we did it did with Dune. Dune, yep, and uh, Lord of the Rings and the Odyssey. But there have to be natural breaks, right? Or not natural breaks. Oh. There have to be. So you, with your podcast, Evan, it was every 100 pages, right? That's the premise. More or less, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and that's a good rule for you. But uh, once you start something, unfortunately, you're stuck with it, is my view. <laughs> you say, <laughs> I married this lady. She's my wife now. <laughs> I made this rule one time where I, I have to only wear short socks. <laughs> now I'm wearing short socks and I'm an old man. So if Evan can if Evan can make can find natural breaks, you don't, you just like the units. So if, if yes. Evan can find units, you'll break up the podcast. Look, I could do the dark uh, dark tower gunslinger because it's only two hundred twenty four pages. Mm-hmm. But if the wizard in glass is eight hundred eighty seven pages and it has no separate separate chunks, I don't know how I could do that in a week. I would also say you are like 300 years ahead on your podcast recording, so you could take a holiday and read the big books that you want to read. I, I, I've tried to explain this to him before, but Jesse, Jesse does not want to hear it. Uh, look, it's like it's like you know how you need to uh, sleep and you need to go to the gym and you need to do a bunch of things. You Jesse also need to podcast. You everyone who's capable should do the thing that they're good at, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's not that I have never taken any breaks, but the thing is, is um, when's when's the last time you actually took a break from the podcast? uh, A break. Oh, a few weeks ago. We. Oh, yeah. That's the exact book. Yeah. So, no, it happens a lot. Um, But the thing is, is it's actually. But you you don't actually plan it like I'm not going to be here this week. Uh, Yeah, we just just take a break. It has happened. It has happened. But the thing is, is it's like. You shouldn't do that, right? You should. Well, 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 why not? Why shouldn't you do that? Um, Paul, you like to go on vacations, right? Yes. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> why shouldn't I do that? Because a vacation implies uh, that your ideal life is not being lived, that you can escape to your ideal life, right? I don't know if my vacations are my ideal life. It's a different temporary life, but it's not an ideal. I mean, I know people who... And you can go the wrong way living. too, right? Like the people at the Overlook Hotel who vacation yeah. all over the place, that is their life. And what do they do? They commit suicide. So that's wrong, right? Right. There are I mean, absolutely wrong things to do. I mean, a vacation is a break from your life to do something different, maybe something you like to do in a contained period of time, but not as your entire life. Usually it's things I can't afford to do. Oh, I'm with you. I'm taking a break. In the next six weeks, I'm only doing one podcast. That's going to be the Sea Wolf. <laughs> yeah. But you're, I, 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 but you're also going to be working on that sex books, that, the, the Star Trek sex that's books. What we need. That's what you keep telling me. You said if you took a break, you'd read these big books that you also want to read that you don't have time for, and that's what a vacation is. It's time. It's like time to do something you can't usually afford to do, or you, you don't usually have the time to do. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, think about this. Marissa. I just needed to recover, honestly. Marissa, yeah, I like computer games. I like them a lot. If I had unlimited free time, I would play a hell of a lot more computer games. PUBG all the way down. No, no, mm-hmm. PUBG is what I play because I have. Uh, There's so many games I want. I want to play Project Zomboid. That game looks awesome. Super interesting. It's a zombie survival isometric. Uh, you generate a character at the beginning. You have a limited time to. Uh, to get ready for the zombie apocalypse and then the power goes out and you have to try and survive as long as possible. Sounds great. That kind of game is very dangerous because it'll keep you up late at night, right? It'll keep you playing and you're having fun, but you're also not having fun, right? 
Mm-hmm. Like, it's not good to stay up too late playing Fallout 4 or Fallout New Vegas uh, till 5 a.m. <laughs> yeah, not all the time. No, and, and the thing is, is you, so you have to find ways to be moderate in your behavior. Podcasting every day is crazy. <laughs> Podcasting twice a week is almost crazy. More than that, it gets crazy, right? And so taking the vacation from the things that are good is a mistake. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Do what is best. So I'm not saying I can't take a week off. I'm saying I can't just take a week off. It has to be something that's planned so that I can mm-hmm. get it in. And so, but the thing is, is I don't think I want to read the entire Dark Tower series because I'm not sure series are a good idea at all. I think that uh, if I could get something out of the Dark Tower Gunslinger and be satisfied with it, because it seems like five years go by before the second one comes out, it's probably a satisfying book in in and of itself. I'd be fine with that. And I usually will read a first book in a series if I hear good things about it. But yeah, I don't want to do the entire Dark Tower thing, because I just don't have that much time. And I want to read about Don Mark Lemon who's like a hundred year old, you know, short story writer who's got amazing short stories that are like three pages long. And I'm mm-hmm. a slow reader. So yeah, we can take a week off to do a longer book, but it better be a worthwhile book. Well, not even take a week off to do a long book, take a week off to recharge your batteries, see things from a different point of view, go and visit the mountains. My batteries don't you. need to be recharged. My batteries are but full. You, but you did, your batteries don't need to be recharged, but you did just think maybe if someone died, you'd have more time to read yes. this book yes. you want to read. You said if, if you convince Eric to seek a vacation or die, you said <laughs> Well, It uh, sounds like you like, might want to just take a no, week No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, you, you misunderstand. I'm just being real, right? Like, I'm going to be doing this podcast until Eric dies or he retires. <laughs> that, 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 to me, doesn't sound so much fun. That sounds like you have, you feel like you almost like have a duty, keep doing it week after yeah, week. That's what no. you're, that's what you're hearing. But what I'm saying is, is I'm just understanding reality, which is I know myself, which is, <laughs> means I'm going to be podcasting with Eric until he okay. dies. And Elaine says, uh, my mom said to me, uh, well, you know, you could just do it with someone else. So I'm like, I wouldn't, right? I wouldn't just, mm-hmm. you know, continue because, uh, the dynamic the we do there is, is a him and me thing. So uh, maybe I'd start another podcast. I might, but it probably wouldn't be the same premise. Yeah. You, 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 you have to remember people do die and you should plan for it. Right. It's yeah. like, you know, it's, and it's not a negative thing. It's just a fact. And he's way older than I am. So he's more likely he's going to die before I die. But maybe and maybe he'll outlive me, in which case he's going to have to figure out who he wants to take on as a co-host <laughs> if yeah. he wants to continue it. But I, I, I'll just keep going as it is because it, it works out well. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's talk about other books on the schedule. <laughs> Are we done? I think we're done. All right. I think this has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. All right, let's have a look and see if there's anything. Uh, I, think there might be. 
Avin says he's out until the, what was the Seawolf was two weeks from now? Yeah, I'll show up for the Seawolf. Good, good. We have been talking about it for a while. Yeah. Um, in fact, I just show noted a show where I think Will was saying we should do it in March. So this is just running a little late on the Seawolf. I mean, mm. I mean, you're six months ahead on the, on seven the podcast. Ish seven, months, seven yeah. months. I mean, you can, you know what? It's really break. good, but I don't, uh, I don't want to take a break, Paul. You don't understand. <laughs> We just did all that. <laughs> I, know, I know, I know, I know. I, I just, I, it's like I, I'm afraid of you. Could not play video games, Jesse. It. I'm like, I, I want to play video games, Paul. I'm afraid of a crash and burn at some point. But see, uh, my batteries are full. Not uh, the only time I would ever like be burned out of podcasts is if uh, I tried to do five every week. I, I would just be unable to do it. Right. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, I, I did it one week. It was too much. It was just too much. <laughs> too much prep. Uh, so the shining done binary by Michael Crichton. Um, Marissa, you a Michael Crichton guy? Nah. Okay. Um, that's a very early book by him. I think he's really interesting. I, I want to understand the Michael Crichton phenomenon a little better. Well, his like his weird pseudoscience stuff puts me off him. I don't trust him. Uh, he's very weird for sure, and he's not. He's not he a guy like a scientist who doesn't really know. I, I haven't read his climate science book, um, and I'm not. I think it's a fiction book, right? It's it's not a uh, dissertation on what's wrong with. Uh, yeah, I haven't read it. Yeah, I I have not read that one, um, but. He he has an interest in history, and he has a, a weird ability to write things that become incredibly popular. Yeah. Um, perhaps Jurassic. I think he wrote a sequel to Jurassic Park, and that was a mistake because it it just kept the problem going. <laughs> but yeah, Jurassic Park was fun. I liked that when I read it. Oh, but, um, he he's really capable, but he also has a lot of duds, especially later in his yeah. career. Um. So, um, I actually have to jump off because yeah. I'm in an attic yeah. room and it's getting so freaking hot I in here right now it. that I, I have to escape this room. Okay. Um, I'm also really busy through July anyway, so okay. I probably won't be able to come back until August. So I'll just check that. Um, I'll yeah. check in with you next time and no see worries. what's on the schedule. Yeah, I'll see you. So I still good. work tomorrow. You believe this? I still have four days to work. Uh, yeah, but is oh. it is it the typing up? Bye, the, guys. Have a good one. Is it the typing up uh, the Star Trek sex book? work or is it taiwan school yeah but my school is still a final exams oh but you can be proctoring while you write you mean those those days well that's that's fucked because i already have plane tickets and they're because i paul you should hear this they they uh hired me after the first term or or Mm -hmm. four terms right so they they told me this was on the contract but they just had a number of dates you had days for vacation i assumed it was enough for the summer they're like explaining now like they prorate the vacation days Ugh. so i don't got the and you have to apply so there's enough vacation days for for the summer except for me and a few others who joined in the middle of the year so there's like it's seven and a half days where i don't have enough of these like vacation days they dole out and i'm like can i just work from home i'll sign in or some shit i'm we're going to be working anyways throughout the summer on the curriculum 
And they're like, no, you have to be in, in, here. <laughs> oh, Sitting in the boy, office. That sounds familiar. Well, I think you, like, there's a solution here. You just go kiss some I, COVID people and you got your. Yeah, you actually get COVID. Yeah. And yeah that's then, not a solution, Jesse. I believe it is. It's not a good because they've been giving work to home work from home for COVID people. There you go. So it would be a, technically a solution. It is a solution. N- not I mean, do you have ideal. to prove your? Do you have to prove that you had got COVID? I guess I would need one of those little rapid tests. Yeah, I could probably I, buy a, a positive. I mean, rapid theoretically, test. I suppose you could you could fake that. I'm no. not. I'm not one, suggesting one should no, not well, lie. I, I didn't. I didn't fake it. I tried negotiating with them. I said, um, I will. I'll teach a club, an after-school club, and I and and I won't be. I'll do it for free, one hour a week, or whatever. And that would be like forty hours. That's most of it. And then I'd also be like working from home. I thought I'll do that in addition to work from home. And they're like, you know, you you, you want it one way, but it's another way. Yeah. And the way it is is you're 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 getting a small paycheck in September. <laughs> Oh, so I got to use up six. They they wanted me to use up my PTO, and I held firm on that. I said I'm not going to use my PTO because that's not even paid, and I only got like ten days of it. So I'm not going to use up eight of my ten PTO days. Wait, your paid time off? It. Paid time it's, off? It's, it's not time off. It's bullshit, anyways. So it's not it's PTO. Like, <laughs> it's like just I'll just stay home. I'll just won't come in those days because I'm not going to be in Taiwan. And they're they're not too happy with me for not playing ball, but it seems to me as signing like applying for personal timeout that's unpaid is just a it's just like a coat towing. It's just like kissing the ring or something. Cow towing. Cow towing. Yeah, it's an obsolescence. Obsolescence. Obesence. Obesience. Oh my god! You got you, you know it's almost like you've learned all your words from reading. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know, there's a funny, a funny one example of that. Um, uh, some some guy at the garage. Or I uh, my friend told me this one. Um, some guy at the you know garage. He says, uh, "Yeah, we're going to an uh, I have to say it right, an orgy later." Orgy. <laughs> 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 Obesence. <laughs> it's okay. Now I know the word. Yeah, I'll it's, say it properly from now on. It's a. It's. But I won't it's do important because it. it's in the Raven. It's important to you. I won't do it anymore. Yeah, don't offer obesence. I should go on Slack see what they said because the last last thing I wrote to them was not happy. Uh, Paul Star King yeah. is listed. I think it didn't say what time, so I put in the time at eight a.m. on the seventeenth. I'm just going to confirm that. Yep, that's July 17th. That's two days after my birthday. Your birthday's the 15th of July? <sighs> Indeed. Oh, righty. Yep, uh, all right, good. I'll see you guys later. Have a good one. Bye, Evan. No drama on Slack, unfortunately. Oh, damn it. Keep Put put it all on Twitter. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, Twitter drama. Okay, see what It's all there. I can, I, three can weeks. Cut, I can cut and paste. There you go. Star uh, King. Uh, there is a hole in the schedule at 0724. Evan says he's out. Oh, no, he doesn't say he's out. No, he doesn't say he's out. Connor's 07, still out. What do you date? 0724, 24th of July. Oh, yeah, that whole thing. All July through the first couple weeks of August. Uh, uh, 
All right. I'm not even bringing my computer. I'm bringing my little work computer to work on the course, but All that's right. it. Uh, All right. See you guys later. Yeah, have a good one. Bye. Um, so also added to the schedule there, Paul, and I think you probably like this, is Lone Star Planet by H. Beam Piper and John J. McGuire. I see that you're doing that while I'm gone. Oh, sorry. Bastard. What? Dude, you're the one who goes away. Why do you always yes, go away? I, I, it's almost like you why, don't like why, podcasting. Why, why? Um, because because part of the joy I have is getting away from my life and doing other things. See, I'm my, telling you. This is the problem. You, you, why is that a problem? You're trying to escape your life. Escape, escape a, a vacation from my life. Yeah. Not escape from my life. That uh, vacation is I, the I, little... I, I, Escape. I, I I see I I see that I I don't see a vacation as a permanent escape from one. No, it's life. not. It's not an, a, per, a permanent one, right? It's a it's 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 a stepping away from. So one of my friends do other things buys lottery tickets. I think that this is insane. Uh, one of my profs a long time ago told me, or he's an instructor. Told, explained it to me. He says, Jesse, they're renting the dream. And he literally thinks of it that way. And he talks about it a lot. And he says, but I, I got the lottery ticket. I could win that million, <laughs> six million or whatever it is. I'm, 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 I think it's a crappy way of renting the dream. I, I can, I I can see if I squint. But in the end, you don't get anything tend. I well, mean, it's you, possible you will, but it's I, I, virtually I guess, impossible that you won't. I guess it's like the total recall memories of your perfect vacation thing. Mm. But, it's not, but I think those could. Actually, I think those and, could actually help you. Uh, memories of your perfect vacation, like you could like uh, increase your confidence levels, and you know, like it might actually be useful other than just like having had the experience. Like, experience. you know, you know this, Paul, right? One of the I, I think it's like a second order of pleasure, which is like having having had written something. You are yes. pleased, right? Not that the well, writing is taking easy. Taking the photograph, and yeah. Having, Having having completed it and shared it with people and people liking it, there's a second order of pleasure when people like my photos. It's true. Uh, Even though I might have taken the photo yeah. a month, a year, ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It still comes back. So where are you going on that? Uh, oh yeah, I see. Evan's vacation is there. I'm 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 going to Gen Con and I'm going to WorldCon this year. So. Uh, oh, you I'm, always go to WorldCon pretty much if it's um, like COVID. World thing, Con- right? Yes, that's true. So. Yeah, Gen Con in Indianapolis, World Con in Chicago. Well, are you going to do some role playing at the Gen Con? Um, yeah. As a matter of fact, yes. I'm also on the worship also, at the shrine of Dave Arneson. I've also <laughs> been on. I, 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 the reason why I'm going to Gen Con is because I was invited to be on the writers' track, so I'll be doing a bunch of panels on writing and fan writing and stuff. So, so my experience with with conventions is they're not as good uh, as podcasts for talking about stuff, but they're good for meeting people and, and getting things in your hands. Yeah. That's my experience. That's, that, 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 like that, that's, that's panels fair. suck basically. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm our panels better than podcasts. That's podcasts are way better than panels. Um, in my experience. I, I think it depends on the panel and how it's constructed and how things are done. I've never seen a panel that was better than a, a, a good podcast. You need to come to Fourth Fourth Street Fantasy, which has the best panels in science fiction, in my opinion. I, I bet that's in the United States, which is a it's it's I, in I Minneapolis. Yeah, it's in, in Minneapolis. You guys should break it's, off from it, that it, tyranny. It's a what? It's a one track convention, so everybody goes to the same panels. 
Yeah, I, I, maybe and, when and Texas so every, breaks so, off from the states, so every, I can go so there. Everybody, so everybody does the same panels. So everyone's talking about the same panels, and it's a really good discussion. I couldn't go to Fourth Street Fantasy this year, although I was on the programming because of a COVID scare. So yeah, yeah. I, I think I remember. You, you, we talked about that. So yeah, so I was I was going to be on a panel and moderate a second, and that didn't happen because of COVID. Thank you so much. So yeah, so once. I'm not blaming you. I'm blaming. I'm blaming. I'm blaming a global pandemic. So yes, yeah, Lone Star Planet. I blame the in. responsible party, Fauci. <laughs> I'm not blaming Fauci. Fauci has nothing to do with it. Oh, he funded it. <laughs> um, dear God, don't get me started. Um, so yeah, so I will not be there for Lone Star Planet, sadly. <laughs> okay. Um, um, but looks, yeah, so it looks like you're going to be there you for the empty binary. slot there. Uh, don't worry, I'll get you your binary. It's short. I think it's like three get, hours. And there's a movie. Get me my binary. Don't worry, Paul. I have, we have the Scene Wolf. We have the Star I'll King, which I already have because I bought it some time ago. Um, mm-hmm. Then we have the empty slot. Yeah. Probably something short. Probably, because Robinson Crusoe is big. And uh, well, Star King isn't big, but yeah, but yeah, I don't want it's something, something of reasonable size. I won't be finishing Star King until that Sunday, right? Or the day before or whatever. So I'm only thinking, like, I might need Robinson Crusoe. The 724 might just be Robinson Crusoe work. I think it's really long. So you would actually take a vacation since. <laughs> I'm not leaving anything. Right? But but you're basically spending that time to listen to spending two weeks to spend more. Possible. Let's see. What I, I encourage this as a as, as healthy, so you're not trying to slam back a book just to get a book done every week. You have to, you have some slack, and you should be you should be kind to yourself. <laughs> I worry about you. I worry about that makes no sense. I'm like saying uh, the podcast charge me, and you're saying don't charge yourself. Um, no, no, but but maybe you're talking about like, oh yeah, it's like I'm it's chilling eleven hours. Nearly, it's not that bad. It's really, nearly crazy. It's like that's and five is too many. Dying. I mean, I see the sign. I see the signs of what you're saying. It's because, uh, but do you understand why? It's because I want to play computer games, and I want to do are, drawings, are, 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 and I want to write. Write my are module. You, are you afraid without without the discipline of the podcast every week, you would lose your creativity or lose your momentum or lose your mojo? Uh, no, it's like you know, I like drawing. If I don't get drawing time, that's a bad thing. I like um, reading poems. If I don't have reading poem time, that's a bad thing. If I don't work on the PDF page by finding some awesome new story from a hundred years ago. That's a bad thing. So it's like, you know, you should get your sleep every night, right? And you say, ah, oh, just take a vacation from sleep. That makes no sense. You need to sleep every night. In fact, I enjoy my sleep. I get some great dreams out of them. Uh, I haven't been writing a lot of dreams down because of um, my schedule being so busy, and that's a bad thing. So it's like... Um, and, why, and why is your schedule so busy? My mom's trying to move to oh, Vancouver Island. Saying, okay. And uh, she's right, been, right, that that whole thing. Yeah, and I, I like this week. I I slept at her house four nights, and she has like no furniture <laughs> and oh four dogs and a chicken. <laughs> I, I I mean, well, and I, I was also doing my classes of, and stuff and my podcast. A lot, of, a lot a lot of people would reduce their doing of other things to get through this. I know I understand your uh, commitment, and you think it 
charges you, but here, here you're talking to me. You're, you're, um, you're, you're, you're running on, uh, running yeah, on the ragged still edge. Not, you're, but you're still not getting it. Guess what I would be doing right now if I wasn't talking to you? What's that? I'd be up at my mom's helping her pack shit up. And, well, okay. Guess what it's I'm going to do after I get finish getting you binary? I'm going to go up there and help her pack shit up. <laughs> I say. So. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> it's not, see, it's not a vacation because this is my regular thing. I mean, no, no, you're helping your mom isn't a vacation. That's a duty. That's, but that's, this that's, is actually this is actually how you should run your life too. Like, if you want to spend time with people, make commitments so that you have to. Not like let's get together for lunch sometime, maybe, because that's I, not going to happen. I mean, I mean, you're much. I mean, I used to be very, very regimented. You're more regimented than I am now. I used to be very regimented with things. I've I've learned to. Put a little more uh, spontaneity and chaos into my life, but I'm still relatively regimented. I think you are much more, much more. I mean, consider looking at the podcast schedule. You, you, you are more regimented than I ever was, and I used to be pretty regimented. Well, I, I'd have a list of I'm going to read these books in this order for the next two months. Yeah, I mean that's what the podcast cut, schedule is: is a commitment well, yeah. to read things, right? Well, yeah, but I mean, like, just like everything, but everything I was going to read, but I've kind of like stepped away from that because I've embraced spontaneity and the fact that things don't always go according. The plan can, as my late friend Scott would say, the plan can change. The plan should adapt, absolutely. But, but, um, you know, the, there's also a list of things at the bottom there that maybe we should do, but you also yeah, have I, to consider other people, right? That's also true, especially for a podcast. Right. So, if there's so, yeah, if, so, if nobody shows up, there's no show. <laughs> so, seven twenty four. Maybe you should do Robinson Crusoe. You read the Robinson No, it's only eleven over. hours, so I don't need to do a full. It is like, eleven hours. It's um, only this book then, was thirteen. I think. Yeah, this was a long. I started this book last week to get make sure I was going to get it done. I, I thought I was way ahead, but I, I ended up having to do no. a lot of it yesterday. So, so yeah, so I. I it took me a week and a half to do this book, so. And then let's see. Um, then we have nothing for mid-August before I go to uh, yeah, there's a space Prince Albert. There. Yeah, we need to I'm keeping that it out. spontaneous for the moment, Paul. <laughs> I know. It's scary. It's frightening. Me. No. It's frightening here. Uh, actually, there is something coming out um, end of July on LibriVox that um, I'm very excited about, but... What's that? Um, I'm gonna look it up because I can't remember. Um, I remember it was gonna be done July 31st. I think is the expo- expectation. Release date. Um, okay, it doesn't show. Um, hmm. Maybe alphabetical. No, it wouldn't be alphabetical. It'd be release date and then go to the bottom. Maybe five. There's a lot of cool stuff coming, is the news. Okay. There's so many pages. Maybe it's never going to end. Unthinking Destroyer? No. Oh, Ministry of Disturbance by H. Beam Piper. Ministry Mm. of Disturbance? Mm. I don't think I've read that one. Planet of the Damned is really good. Have you read that? Planet of the Damned. That sounds familiar. Harry Harrison. Yeah. 
It's um. It, it's Ministry like a, of Disturbance. It's a short thingy. Um. Let's see. That was not the thing that's coming out. That's just what I spotted while I was. Yeah, so you spotted. Um, one hour forty five minutes of mystery of disturbance. What is this about? Um Oh, it's one of his future Oh. What? We should do Ministry of Disturbance. You can schedule it if you like. Who's the narrator? Um well in Audible it's Justin Lerman. I need the Libervox <laughs> one. I Is I don't know if it's on there. Um, yeah, it is. That's where I spotted it. Ooh, there it is. Heads of Cerberus by Francis Stevens. Mystery Disturbance is narrated by... Doesn't say. Why does not say that? Phil Chenevert. Phil Chenever. Chenever. He's good. Um... The uh, the one that it says, yeah, completion date 0731. Um, the Heads of Cerberus by Francis Stevens. One of the first dystopian science fantasies, this novel features a gray dust from an ancient glass vial which is capped with a silver figure of Cerber- Cerberus, the three-headed mythological dog that guarded the gate to Pluto's, dream- uh, Pluto's realm. This is to Hades. Fine dust transports anyone who inhales it to a totalitarian Philadelphia of 2118. Written by Gertrude Barrows Bennett. Um, so this is a Francis Stevens novel that I have not read. And it's called, again... The Heads of Cerberus. Heads of Cerberus. Your noisy keyboard is back. By Francis Stevens. Mm-hmm. So it says it's going to be done on the 31st, or that's their target date. Um, but um, there's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven chapters to go out of uh, 21. So it's about a third done, uh, two thirds done. All right. Now it should be good. We shall see. Well, she's time. good. She, she wrote good stuff. No, we shall see if it's uh yeah if it's done it, in time mm-hmm. right. Oh, the so. pirate by Sir Walter Scott. How far is this along? Oh, it's set to be done in August. Mm, yeah, I might we might want to wait a bit on that. I don't know, but you uh, might want to wait by the author of Waverly, man. I mean, I mean, it's like yeah, like. Have the bird in the hand. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we don't schedule it until it's actually available. But you need to have more Sir Walter Scott in your life. Well, I need lots of things in my life. but (laughs) All right. But not Sir Walter Scott. Uh, Speaking of which, I need to go. I'm going to go to um, the new um, – they're rebuilding Uncle Hugo's, the bookstore, and they're accepting donations of books. So I'm going to take some of the books I have – in my apartment, I'm not going to read it, reread and bring them to them so they, for to help restore their stock. Sounds good. So I'm going to take some, some photos books. and put them on the internet. Well, the, the the store is really now just a shell at the moment, so it's not complete yet. 
No, but you should still show a big stack of books that you're donating. And then I, I, pr- can, I, pr- then I, I can yell at you and say, what? You're giving away some famous book I haven't read? Yeah, you don't even you know half the books I'm, I'm giving away, but you know. Yeah. Um, uh, also, um, we didn't get to talk about it, but Evan and I were uh, discussing your um, tweet. Uh, in Which DMs. tweet? Uh, the one... Uh, uh, here it is. Gog. You said, copying pictures without attribution or credit, don't be like RKO Histories. Don't yes, do Ar- it. Yeah, RKO Histories has been scraping pictures and tweets mm-hmm. from other people and posting them without attribution. Yeah, and it says, this: the original photo and tweet is from Awesome at Grecian Gurley. Yeah, and Grecian Gurley told me, no, the, the, the tweet is from her, but the picture is from somebody else, and somebody just came to the mention to say who the picture is actually from. Oh, really? She? It's not her? Oh, it's her picture? Wait, wait, wait. Say it's that not again. her picture, but it's her tweet. They basically <laughs> scraped the entire tweet. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I saw yeah, that. So they, so they basically copy-pasted That's really interesting. Tweet. So, yeah, I was saying to Evan that this is what humans do. But what's funny is that could be a bot <laughs> for all we know. It probably isn't. It's probably an account it's not that's a, run by no, a person. It's not a bot, but it's not a bot. But uh, the thing somebody, is... Somebody, is what uh, what what I was interested in and I was saying to Evan is like you are interested in the picture part. I when I clicked on it, I was like, it's the the words are also copied, right? And yes, it turns the words out, are also copied. but you're saying now that it wasn't her photo. No, no, but the, the but the, no, the photo was copied from somebody else. But it, don't she, don't you see that's uh, uh, that's funny because I didn't we didn't know that at the time when we were discussing yeah. it in the DMs. Um, so like he he. He thought, um, let's see, let's see what he said. Um, oh no, people stealing. <laughs> I said, his focus is on the photos. Hers is on the text and the pictures. Um, that is the author, the author that's being stolen from. Yeah. Uh, and I said, stealing by doing the thing that makes them humans copying. And then I thought about, um, uh, b- bots do that too right now. Um, mm. although they don't do it. Uh, with the skill that you would have here, stealing like if you steal random stuff, it doesn't work very well. Like uh, for engagement, you have to steal good stuff, right? And that's actually the discernment that makes. So, like, uh, I always think about recipes. You know, like my grandma's got a great recipe for some soup or something, right? And you eat that soup and you say, "Oh, delicious!" And then if she doesn't want to share the recipe. What she's saying is, this is like my intellectual material, and you know, blah blah blah. Where did she get the recipe from? Right. So the the question to me is like, where does the buck stop? And the answer is, um, I think you shouldn't try and buck. <laughs> um, but you're right. You're right. That account did rip off that other person, but that other person was ripping off someone else. And then, of course, you're all. Anybody who retweets it is ripping it off because that's a copying. But then it all goes back to the original sculptor. Who, Where is he getting it from? Presumably be a he. He's stealing it from the actual horse and a little kid on it. No, he's not. St- no, the sculptor's not stealing it from the actual horse and the kid on it. So that's where does the, the steal? Oh, oh, really? You, yeah, know how, not, you know how the artists that's not, learn that's to... That's not stealing. You know how that's artists stealing. learn to do their art, right? They go to the museum and they copy and they, other artists. They, well, but they're making their own version of it. They're not taking, they're not taking 
the the Rembrandt and saying this is my this is my painting. They did and, that account well, didn't say about, this but, is mine but, either, though, right? No, no, but but if, if if but if you're not attributing the photo and the text to somebody else, you're basically archaeo history is saying, oh, here's this is what I said, and here's my photo of it. Mm. Without, so without, I think about this a lot, credit. right? Because I tweet like I tweeted something this morning that says "Good morning," and it's a just a weird piece of art I found. And then somebody says, um, uh, Bobby says Earl Greer. And I was like, I'm not sure it's from Cemetery Dance. So I didn't care enough to note the author. And if I had, I wouldn't have tweeted it because when I tweet a good morning, <laughs> it's always like a funny image to go with the idea of good morning. Right. This is but, like, but, a, but oftentimes if an image has, has a, has a watermark or what have you, then at mm-hmm. least which that one did. Credit. Right, so that's different, and it, and 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 just, and just like the whole, so it's like scraping the entire tweet from from Angela's. It feels like yes. Now it feels like that. What's interesting? No, yeah, it's not theft, but what was what? What's interesting about what you're well, saying? Well, it's a it's a it's appropriation and put and uh, and putting it off as your own. Not exactly, but what? what yeah, I, well, what, it, it, I, I mean, maybe they're not saying that it's their own, but they're certainly. Giving the strong impression that that's their original picture and their original. Thought I I, not, I agree with with I mean, your philosophy. You, I just want to give you this wrote, nuance. So yeah. when I talk to little kids about drawing, which I do a lot because I do drawings to help them understand vocab words, and you, you can't imagine how important it is to have a picture when you're reading, right? When you're a little kid, that's why they put comics and pictures. Anyways, the important part is they want to copy my drawing. Right. And I encourage them to do so. Some of them want to trace my drawing. And I say, you can't do that. And the difference is one is you're a photocopier and the other is you're a human. Right. So if you, if I, like I did a, uh, a cover of, um, a planet stories, looking at the cover of the planet stories and drawing it freehand, trying to make it more like it and then putting my own spin on it with colors and smiles and, you know, different details. Um, I am not crediting that, you know, all credit to Alan Anderson for my reproduction of his work, because that's not the interesting part to me. The interesting part is like, sometimes I'll say this is Alan Anderson, right? But the thing is, is absolutely, you're right. If you photocopy somebody's work and paste it up, it looks like you did that. And that is probably the effect that that account is going for. But it sort of acknowledge it, 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 it without actually uh, like I think it's just like good reading, uh, critical thinking habits is unless somebody explicitly says this is by me, like you usually do with your your um, pictures, right? You say copyright Prince Justin or whatever it says on the watermark. Um. I think it's actually a mistake because it limits creativity to to uh, do it. Like I put up, uh, I don't know if you saw it, but there's a, a soap opera about coffee. <laughs> it's called Coffee I, Love. I did not see that. It's uh, it's from it was from 2017. I I put it all back up together because I didn't know about threads back then. I guess I only had it as a hashtag, and it didn't. It doesn't work very well. So I, I, I re-upped it, right? I stole every image from a comic. I don't know what comic it was. It was probably Marvel 
some DC love comic, and I photoshopped them all. I didn't like care about the artist. I only cared about like doing the thing. Now, if I was doing a commercial work, I would have to care about stuff like that. But what you and I do when we retweet things is copying. So we should do that all the time. What we shouldn't do is, you know, yeah, label a a work by H.P. Lovecraft when it's actually by August Derleth because August Derleth wants some cash, right? That's the real scummy thing to do. But, you know, copy-pasting is actually a good thing just as long as you don't claim it as your own work because that, that's the immoral part, Right. Yes, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, if because uh, you if don't think said, your friend's wrong for putting up that picture that wasn't hers. Well, she. I mean, if you read down there, like she didn't. Even, I mean, there is a watermark on the actual picture. Yeah, it said five hundred px or something like right, that. Right, right. The actual, yeah. So, the, I so didn't know what that meant. Out. Uh, that's that's just a site that shares photos. So the okay. actual original person, and so uh, the person uh, yeah. that found it went to five hundred px and found the thing. So. Yeah, it's funny. There's some. There's a some website that does that they put their own signature on a whole bunch of like original art and this like, is this is one of the reasons why i have my own website man yeah but that doesn't happen yeah well you can't stop them really but what you can I, do I, I is know. what you can do is not you know do it yourself right some people want to have abortions if 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 they want to have them you should let them but you shouldn't do it yourself paul <laughs> um it would be a little strange. <laughs> um, but anyway, I'm, I, I got to yeah. go. I have things to, no to go and things to see. Have a good one. So I'll see you later on the flip side. Sounds maybe good. maybe PUBG tonight. Who knows? Maybe you'll be yeah. Hopefully, because I don't want to be I don't want to be there all day. So I'll I'll go yep. put in my dutiful time. Be a good son, oh, dude. I'm trip. the best son ever. It's kind of a problem. Take care, man. Yeah, you too.